You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Paula Perhatch. I'm Joe Saul Hi, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and this is the Earn and Invest Podcast. 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 I knew nothing about podcasting. I knew I liked to talk. No one who knows me can deny that. But when my friend Paul Thompson suggested that we start a financial podcast together, I had no reason to expect that I would be good at it or love it or that it would progressively take up more of my time. And more importantly, I had no idea if the world needed another financial podcast. We already had blogs, magazines, and newspapers, as well as a huge number of already established shows with millions of followers. Imagine my reticence. And then take into account that that was almost four years ago today. Since then, the number of podcasts, both financial and otherwise, have exploded. Is this still a good way to teach about personal finance? A good way to learn about how to save, invest, and spend money? Today, we talk the making of a financial podcast and attempt to answer these questions with a panel from the creative team from our sister show, The Stacking Benjamins Podcast. Joe Salcihai is an award-winning podcaster, host, and creator of The Stacking Benjamins Show, Doug Path is the voice behind Neighbor Doug on the show and more recently has joined in to talk headlines. And Paulette Perhatch is an author, writing coach, and started with the Stacking Benjamins writing team last year and now is a regular on the Friday panel episodes. Joe, Doug, and Paulette, welcome to Earn and Invest. Joe, let me start with you. How many financial podcasts could the world possibly need? <laughs> we, we need more. We act, it's true. We need more. Well, and the reason isn't that there aren't enough financial podcasts. The reason is, is that the, the, the best stories, the best podcasts that we make are ones that are about individual people and their individual story. And so I, I, I think we need more people making those. I think we need more people of color making podcasts. I think we need podcasts from many more diverse viewpoints. I'm glad that we've seen more of that the past three or four years. But I think there's always room for a good new podcast. Doug, we're going to jump back into this idea of financial podcasts and what role they play in educating people about personal finance. But first and foremost, you and Joe go way back. How did he wrangle you into becoming part of the Stacking Benjamin Show? Tell us about some of this history. Well, Joe was my financial advisor. We met each other just prior to that before he became my financial advisor. But after that, you know, we just became buddies. And I know that. 
I tried to talk to him about doing a podcast for a while. I think he, he was the first one who mentioned, hey, there's this podcast. I'd never heard of what a podcast was before he mentioned it to me. And we had talked about what could we do? We talk really well to each other. What can we, what can we do a podcast on? And I kept throwing out ideas. He's like, no, nah, no. <laughs> and then one day it's like, ah, oh, did I tell you this guy I work with and I, we're going to do a podcast. Get, get it. <laughs> I've been trying to do a podcast with you for years. And now it's who's this. So I just horned my way. Once I found that I'm like, no, this bus is not leaving without me. And I just horned my way in. I don't know if any of that's true. It just sounds entertaining. Joe, is any of that true? <laughs> I, th I think that's all. I, th I don't remember us being adamant. We were going to do a podcast together. Not adamant. I, I was yeah. begging you. Yeah. <laughs> and you were, I, and you were giving me the Heisman. <laughs> I do remember that after, after about four adult beverages, we were brilliant together. Like, like we're like, Oh, we should mm -hmm. we, beverages. Like the we should be, had today. We should be filming this. Like we should totally get this on, on tape as old guys say. We should get it on tape. Yeah. And uh, by the way, I did that once with a friend of mine here. He and I, Doug, also thought, my friend Mike, we thought that we were brilliant. So we recorded a conversation. And the next day, <laughs> no, right, no, you're not nearly as, as brilliant after adult beverages as you think you are. Right. Yeah. And I think at one point we talked about movies, like doing a movie review thing, which has manifested right. itself into Stacking Benjamins periodically. Yeah. I mean, your idea with OG was a lot stronger than anything that I would have, you know, come up with or that we would have come up with. So let me, let uh, me throw another one at you. Where was the Genesis of the neighbor Doug character who came up with that? Well, this is a pro it's been so long that I bet you, we have different memories on where this came from. I used to have like a 35 minute commute into work and Joe and I would frequently have, he was doing the podcast thing and he was putting a huge amount of time and effort and emotion into figuring it out and trying to make it bigger. And after it had been on the air for a few years and just wasn't getting the traction he wanted. And we were having these conversations. I just talked about my work commute because it was frequent that it would be like all 35 minutes of my commute in and all 35 minutes of the commute home. And we would just be brainstorming on what we could do. And one of us said, remember the golden era of radio and morning drive time where there would be these comedy teams who would have re recurring characters. And I remember thinking like you would always tune into that. What like your show was on 100.3 or 94.7 or 101.1. And you would always go back because you felt like you were part of that community. And I remember thinking, what can we do to build that kind of community? What can we do to make it more personable for people? And after a few of those conversations, I remember there was a break and Joe called back one day and said, I got it. The whole stigma and the shtick about podcasting is that it's a couple of people who can't actually do. So they get in a, and they're, they're, one of them's living in their mom's basement. So we're going to create all this whole sense of place around the basement. And, and this is where I'm a little foggy, Joe, you might have to help me out. But I, I think we talked about at one point, one of us threw out, isn't there always an annoying neighbor? Like what, can we have a mailman show up? Can we have an annoying neighbor show up? Can we have like the throwing out stuff, the little kid from across the street who just keeps on like Dennis, the menace, who's a, you know, a, a pain in the butt. And I think we let that marinate for a little while. And then one day I remember being really offended when he called me and he said, you know what? You're the annoying neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> There's every, every, anything that's good, anybody who's doing any good work, I think has to have great people in their corner that are, that are, uh, that are helping them. And, and by the way, that are kind of rough on them too. And, 
the great thing about Doug and his and my relationship of a long time is that he, we could just get past the, I love you, man stuff. And it was, it was, Hey, that episode, I remember we had this big guy from the internet on a guy named Pat Flynn on and people that are online creators, know Pat Flynn, nobody else knows Pat Flynn. And Doug's like, this is a show about financial literacy. You're all excited about this, this, this dude. Nobody knows who the hell this guy is. And he didn't talk once about financial literacy. Like, why'd you have him on? And I'm like, oh, that is a great, fantastic point. So this brutal honesty, I think was great for taking the show from okay to competent in a short time because Doug was able to I listen got you to, to competent <laughs> was able <laughs> to, was able to listen and help us. But, 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 you know, there's a lot of mistakes that everybody's making, no matter what you do and having somebody that's just blunt with you and isn't going, Oh no, your butt doesn't look big in those jeans. Mm-hmm. Like that person you don't want, you want the person who's going to tell you the truth. But I thought structurally uh, doc, what we were going for was was this and and there's value in listening to the people that you're that you're quote competing against and what i what i knew was that people didn't want to hear two quote industry insiders couple middle-aged white guys chatting about personal finance from an insider's perspective like nobody wanted that you know still there are some great shows that are hosted by cfps and they all tell me they have trouble getting listeners because for whatever reason, people don't, don't want, and I don't know if they're intimidated or what the, what the reasoning is. So we realized it had to be entertaining and we had to do kind of this head fake away from the fact that we know what we're talking about to bring the temperature down. And if our goal as a show is to show you that this is easier than you think, it's more fun than you think. We had to create this sense of place, which was mom's basement, much more fun listening to two dudes in mom's basement than a certified financial planner has been doing it for a long time. And a guy that was a financial planner for 16 years and did, you know, medium PR for American Express. Like, no, thanks. I don't want those last two guys. I want the two dudes in mom's basement, you know, chatting about money. So Paulette, I'm listening to Joe and talk about the creation of this place, the basement. It hits me that not all podcasts employ professional writers. Tell me about your role as a writer on the team and, and what specifically you do. Well, where the brutal honesty comes in, that's really where I <laughs> crack the whip. No, yeah. I, and it's so fun to play with that, you know, and really to be able to conjure anything. It's kind of like improv or, you know, where you're like, oh, yeah, there's suddenly there's this in the room, right? We can just talk about it. And that's really, really fun. And I think that's so creative. I haven't heard that done anywhere else. What I do is basically write for Doug. So I'm Doug's puppet master, which is very fun because I've mostly over, only ever written for my voice. I haven't written for, for characters or something that someone else performs. And so it's been really fun. And more and more, I get kind of his voice in my head as I'm writing. Oh, God, um, I'm sorry. Which is horrifying. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> my therapist and I are working on it. And... So I write the intro and basically we just say like, what is the through line, the comedic through line of this episode that we can pull from and just have some little joke that you can do callbacks to and, you know, just have something goofy alongside often very serious or earnest content. It's super because Paulette's humor and her writing also guides the portions of the show that she doesn't directly write like the stuff that OG and I do and, and Doug does as well that are not scripted parts of the show. Those parts still, those jokes that begin at the open that Paulette writes for Doug and continues through trivia. 
resonate throughout the rest of the show. So Paulette really sets the tone for the episode. Joe, as I listened to you talk about setting the tone for the episode and the different pieces and parts that go in, I'm interested in a little bit about how the sausage is made. Talk to us about a fledgling episode, where it starts and what process it goes through before it eventually hits the air, especially given the fact that you are producing three hour plus episodes a week. So this is no minor production. Talk about sausage. Yeah, that's a lot of sausage (laughs) being made. I was going to leave it alone (laughs) and she had to do it. You know, talk us through how something actually becomes an episode. Yeah, at the five-week mark, our showrunner slash producer, Karen Repine, and I, we have a meeting where we look at what have we done recently, what are some themes that we're thinking about, and what pitches have we gotten. We used to rely a lot on people pitching us because there's PR people trying to get their guest on your show all the time. We get about 70 pitches a week. We try to make sure that one show each week is outgoing and one is incoming, meaning we reach out and grab somebody like we just grabbed Dr. Brad Klontz as an example. And we got very lucky that, you know, Barbara Corcoran just reached out to us today. And so putting those two together is really neat because we got one person talking about real estate, the other person talking behavior. So we also want to make sure that the show is diverse. And I don't mean like corporate org chart diverse. I mean, if we're talking about wealth one day, we're talking about getting out of debt the next day. If we're talking about mindset, we'll talk about real estate. If we're talking about Stocks, we'll talk about crypto the next day. Whatever it is, we're going to try to make it truly a truly a variety show so that you're not sure what's coming up next. I mean, that's part of the fun, I think, for us is making it so you don't know what's coming next. That's at the so five-week mark, yeah. You even juxtapose those that diversity within an episode. You'll, you'll do that like with the, the headlines you choose juxtaposing against the guest that you have. Yeah, like Professor Scott Galloway, who who is very, you know, he's got these big opinions, big, 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 big opinions on stuff. And that's kind of a heady subject. So we have a headline that's much, much lighter and much more fun. So we will take a fun headline. If if somebody hears a fun headline at the beginning, that's because we got a serious guest coming up. So that's at five weeks. Then we go out and we try to get those scheduled and booked. That takes us to about the the three and a half week mark. And that's when Paulette and Doug and you and I have what what we call our creative meeting, where we look at what's going on in the calendar. We look at who the guest is. We we come up then with this storyline, and and you know the goal is to laugh our head heads off. If if we're laughing and we're having fun, then the episode's probably going to be fun. Because what's amazing is six days later we have a table read meeting. Where And now we're about a week and a half out from people hearing the episode. And you will hear, you'll hear for the first time, Doug reading the stuff that Paulette took that we all dreamed up, the four of us together and sometimes other guests in that meeting. And she's created this brilliant script. And so we laugh, we work on Doug's tone, making sure that he's hitting the beats right. And then as close as possible to the day that you the, the day the episode comes out, you hear it because we try to put the headline in at the, as close to the air date as possible so we can kind of get current events coverage in there as much as we can. Doug, talk about the process. Organized or chaotic? Oh, God, it's chaotic <laughs> as hell. It's funny because the way Joe <laughs> describes it sounds like it's this well-oiled machine. But I mean, it's, it's really my first and only foray into showbiz. And you always hear 
them talking about how it's like a, you know, a duck on the water and below the, below the surface, the feet are going crazy. And there's a lot of that. Some weeks are, it's just smooth sailing. And then other weeks it's somebody canceled and then we got to re-record because the guest we thought we had didn't, you know, couldn't make it or something big happened in the news. And so we got to, you know, pick different headlines. I don't know. I'm making the stuff up, but there are weeks where it's just totally chaotic. And I know Joe is bristling at this because he tries very hard to not make it that way, but sometimes it's out of your hands. It's just out of your control and you, and it just gets chaotic whether you planned or not. Well, but it's, it's also Ira Glass, you know, who said with this American life, who said that, I mean, he's infamous for changing the show up into the moment they have to load it to go to NPR. Like they're changing it until the very last, we're not doing that. If you ever saw, there's a great documentary about how they make South Park. What's that called, Doug? Six days or I never watched it. You've raved about it. I've never saw it. Oh, it's fantastic. And once again, it's got to be uploaded to the satellite and guys are running (laughs) with the thing to get it to be uploaded on time so people can watch it, watch the next episode. So it's not, it isn't that bad. There's a lot of moving parts, which is why I realized about two and a half years ago that we really needed Karen Repine as the as the showrunner because and she's an engineer by trade. And so having an engineer who's kind of walking us through the pieces is good. And we've been upgrading our systems too. You know, we have a new, we have a new way that we organize the show. It's called Podcast Studio Pro, which I think is best in class. And we're just getting our arms around that as well. So yeah, good tools and an engineer running it. Cause like Doug said, a guest will cancel. You know, we're three weeks into developing it. Paulette's already got the got the 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 whole show ready to go. And we got to make that show a week from now. And we got to create a new one in about four days. So Paula, in a minute, we're going to talk about podcasting as a medium to teach personal finance. But before we do, I'm interested in how it felt for you to walk into this organized chaos. So you were the newest to the team of the four of us sitting here today. How was it to enter the Stacking Benjamin show? It was good, you know, to to see how it all goes down. And I love, you know, so much of my work is very solo and silent. And so it's fun to kind of be on a team and be creating something together. That's really, really fun. And, you know, I am kind of an organizational nut. And so, you know, <laughs> Joe listens to my feedback when I'm like, hey, maybe we could try this, blah, 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 you know, and and like, I really feel like, all of us communicating. We, we have a Slack channel that Joe's organized for us. And so communicating there and, you know, it is like, it's like that, you know, I believe in African phrase that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I can be kind of a person who I'm like, I want to go fast. Like, I don't, I don't have time. I want to go fast and do it by myself. Right. And so it is a whole other thing it adds on this level of communication when you're in a situation that naturally involves a lot of people, not just the people who work on the show, but all the guests and then so many changes. So it's, you know, it's definitely, I think a creation of everyone who's involved and there's just, yeah, so many people involved in making it happen. And that's really cool. And I think we all back each other up and really enjoy the the outcome. I think that one of the most important things is that Joe really shares the effect that the show has on the listeners. And that helps us all remember what we're really doing when I'm writing fart jokes <laughs> on the name of personal finance. Fart jokes for financial literacy. 
Doug, talk about that, the effect of the show, because we're going to move into this idea of podcasting as a medium. Are you surprised at the feedback you sometimes get or when you find out how the show has affected someone or a particular episode? And I'm there to be the court jester, right? So what they're going to bring up with me, occasionally I've gotten some, you know, oh, I want to name my first child after you, Doug, because you've made such a difference <laughs> in in our lives. I mean, once a week it, it happens, but uh, and half of them are probably serious. So I tend not to hear that, but I do, I will say that as I've, you know, it's a big part of my life, time I spend and something I love doing. And so naturally I'm going to tell friends and relatives and whoever got to listen to the show. This is the thing I'm doing. They ask about what is it all about? And I can see the, the reluctance on their face because it sounds like a heavy topic. And I always have to reassure them. No, 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 no. You, you got to check if you've tried it before, you know, other finance podcasts or other heavy topics before, and it's just not been your thing. Try this one because the one thing Joe back, to you know, circle back to how did this thing get started? The one thing he stuck to his guns on was that we were going to be a 101 level show on purpose. We were going to be a entry level just to get people interested in the whole idea of personal finance. And if they want to go dive deeper into really technical stuff, they can we can help them find out where to go do that. So I've always had to, or I find myself having to reassure people check us out. We do everything we can to be really relaxed, really conversational, really funny so that it's not intimidating. And I've gotten that feedback that, yeah, you definitely do that. What I'm amazed is that people keep listening to us. <laughs> and I, don't, I don't mean that to be funny, but I, I mean, think about it, Joe. I mean, you're if, amazed. I'm amazed, astounded, just befuddled that people are still listening to us because we have covered damn near all of the entry-level topics, right? At least once. It's been eight years and sure. you know, 1,200 episodes. But not We're even pretty, once. <laughs> we yeah. probably touched them a few times, but people keep coming back even after they've graduated to the, the 201, our newsletter, please sign up, or the 301 <laughs> or the four. You know, they, they just keep coming back. So there's something that Paulette and Joe have figured out on how to make us, you know, repeat listeners. Joe, I mean, it's a good point, right? We, we've we joked ourselves, right? There are only like five or six big personal finance ideas. Right. And we spend all of our time pretty much talking about them in slightly different ways. Talk about that. I mean, is there a dearth of content to put out there about personal finance? And if so, how the heck did we create this many episodes? Oh, there's always great new stuff. But I, but I think, you know, the new stuff... What's funny is, is that the new stuff is what's happening in current events. So the fact that we have this headline segment that's current events and these creators that come on with new ideas that are new to our audience creates this never ending, you know, cycle of ways to say these same six points, but in different ways that might resonate with you. And I actually, you know, frankly think that, that for me anyway, and I think a great thing for any creators, create the thing that you want to listen to or that you want would watch or whatever it might be. But with a podcast, I, I don't listen to podcasts for learning new stuff as much as I listen to podcasts for sharpening the saw and remembering the stuff, right? Having it come back up in a different context and go, oh yeah, yeah. Like there's marketing podcasts I listen to. Great one called Marketing Over Coffee. These two guys have never said anything I hadn't heard before, but there's so many times where they'll cut through all the noises in my life and just make me remember just how, you know, simple some of these marketing things are like, oh, so if we can be that for personal finance, 
we can take a headline, something that they said in the Wall Street Journal, draw attention to it, laugh about it, tell people what this actually means in your real life. There's always going to be new stuff to talk about that really is about these same six core ideas. And I think that on top of that, like there's two things, you know, I had a podcast for a while called, can we talk about money? And, you know, it was, it was for writers essentially, right? So there are so many different angles to view something at. Things are changing all the time. Like we didn't have to talk about Klarna five years ago, right? Now we have to talk about it. It's like being offered a credit card every time you check out of the store. And, you know, so I think the world and finances are just changing so much. And then also it just helps to be reminded of things and to have it be in your, you know, the the zeitgeist of the world out there and of Instagram, like, oh my God, I bought some earrings off Instagram two weeks ago and they have just got me. They're like, she's an, she's an earring addict. And so now she's like, earrings, earrings, earrings. And I'm like, I am an earring addict. And stop <laughs> showing these to me. I will buy them all. And they know, right? So like, the world is telling us all the time, buy, buy, buy. Even newspapers, I've noticed, you know, like the New York Times has wire cutter. Every publication now is not just running ads, but in the business of showing you this is the best XYZ. This is the must have, right? So you have to have that, those voices in your head that are helping you shift and shift your own norms toward saving and investing rather than spending, spending, spending. We are talking to Joe Salcihai, Doug Path, and Paulette Perhatch. They are three members of the creative writing team for the Stacking Benjamins podcast. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. All right, so most of us know the bad news already. If you were using Mint as a budgeting app, it has shut down. But the good news is... There's something better, and it's called Monarch Money. I started using Monarch Money myself about five months ago, and I knew immediately that I liked it more than any other budgeting app I had ever used. For one, it focuses on collaboration. This is easy to share with your spouse, your partner, your financial advisor, and it's aspirational. Not only can you look at your current budget, but what do you want to buy? What do you want your goals to be? You can focus on those in Monarch Money. It's the next generation of personal finance apps. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Furthermore, you can create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. Again, that's monarchmoney.com slash E-A-R-N. What I like about this app is it's intuitive, easy to use, quick to sign on. It's collaborative, as we talked about. It's customizable. The idea is you can use this app the way you want to use it. And the reason why is the Monarch Money team is customer-focused. They are focusing on you, me, and all the other people who want to use this app to live a better financial life. After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey, everybody. This is Doc G, and I am hanging out in Julian, California. I am at the Camp Phi San Diego 
This is Camp Fi Southwest. It is four speakers, 65 money nerds. If you've never experienced this, it is a chance for you to come together and talk about not only financial independence, but money, life, and happiness. Check us out. Go to campfi.org to learn more and hang out with people like me talking about money and being money nerds as well as talking about life. Now back to the show. Let me reintroduce you. We are talking to Doug Paff, Joe Salcihai, and Paulette Perhatch. They are part of the creative writing team for the Stagging Benjamins podcast. Joe, let's talk about podcasts in general. Is this a good way to learn about personal finance? Yeah, I'm going to go with no. I'm going to go with no. Absolutely. I mean, a a book, even an audio book is going to be way more direct. It's going to get to the point much, much quicker. I think it's way better for what Paulette said before the break, better for surround sound, better to remind you A, a podcast for me, these people on the podcast become my friends. You know, when I listen to a show, I'm listening to my friends like I'm a fly on the wall. And that's what we're hoping to create for our listeners, too. So we can be a positive influence on your financial life. Doug, talk about the role of comedy. I mean, there are many personal finance podcasts out there and very few utilize comedy to get the point across. Talk about what role you think it plays in Stacking Benjamins. Well, you're always going to get more flies with honey than salt, right? Or whatever the old phrase is. So we always, in that in that effort to try to create something at the one-on-one level to make it appealable, is that the right word? <laughs> appealing. appealing. I think it's, a, appealable. it's a, appealable. I'm sticking with appealable. <laughs> Appealistic. Appealistic. <laughs> to a large audience, you got to make it go down easy. And I mean, Joe knew, OG knew long time ago, this stuff, we all know the stigma. So I don't know another option. I don't, I can't think of a way that's going to get people who wouldn't otherwise be willing to learn about their finances than to relax them. And if you ever go out on a first date with somebody, first thing you try to do is, is get them to laugh and get them to relax. Right. So, uh, I think that's, do we always feel like we're on a first date Joe? Get them to pay for dinner. We're going Dutch, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's huge. I mean, the, the short answer to your question is, you know, what's the role it's everything also because it's my role. So it's everything. <laughs> it's definitely everything then, but it's, yeah. I mean, without that, I think we're just one of the other 712 financial podcasts that either nobody listens to, or, you know, doesn't get out of episode 12. Paulette, talk about the difficulty of making money funny. I mean, you are a personal finance writer. You probably do not employ humor in a lot of your day-to-day writing. Is it difficult? No, I do. I, you know, I think even like the, you know, we've talked about this, like the core of humor is, is pathos is pain, right? Like if you think of Michael Scott on The Office, like he was deeply pathetic and sad and lonely, right? Great and, example. But he's hilarious. <laughs> so, you know, the, my article that went viral about money included the phrase lunatic douche. So like <laughs> it's, you know, I love humor. And I think that that's a way to get through it and to not have it be kind of just like this, I don't know, like it doesn't have to be boring, right? It's real life. It's messy. It's funny. It's very unfunny. I've definitely written a lot of really sad things about money, but 
to find the humor in it, I think is a tool, you know, humor is a tool that draws people closer. And so when you want people to listen, you can't just state the facts. You have to use emotion. And one of the emotions is, is humor and hilarity. Joe Paulette was talking about drawing people closer. You know, Stacking Benjamins is not just a podcast. It's also a community. Who are the stackers? Tell us about the community that's formed around the podcast. Well, the it's it's funny. The stacker community is so different. I think that a lot of financial communities, I try to be in a lot of different ones. And what's funny is our our Facebook group, the basement, I think we give people a lot more leeway in 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 this in this room. So I I feel like number one, they're people that realize that we're all trying to head the same way. I think they also realize that it's more fun if you bring other people along with you for the ride. I mean, some of the people that teach things, and I'm not saying it's it's idyllic and it's phenomenal all the time, because certainly there have been, we've had to boot some people and break up some fights, but but the fact that like, we'll have a post, this happened a few weeks ago again, there was a post uh, of just a dad joke that had nothing to do with money. And somebody who was new to the community said, hey, this is a commute. This is a money forum, not a dad joke. And like five people said, welcome to the basement. I said, yes, correct. Dad jokes are welcome here. Politics, no. Dad jokes, yes. So I feel like they're people with a little bit of a sense of humor. In fact, you know, that 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 is the one review that we've gotten that really spurred us toward more comedy and working harder on our comedy was this person said a couple of years into the show said, these guys aren't as funny as they think they are. Hmm. And what's, and, and the whole thing that they wrote after that was about how they wish we screwed around less. And then I realized that they were totally right. That I'm a guy that had been a financial planner for 16 years. OG has been a financial planner for a long time. We know that stuff like the back of our hand. And yet there are people doing stand up comedy who work on it every day. We had worked exactly zero hours on the business of trying to be funny. And so that's when we started really, really working on trying to hone that skill. So when, when I took the stank off the review, I said, you know what, we, we actually have to, we have to study comedy. This is something that, that we now need to work on all the time. So I think stackers are, are the same though. Dad we jokes, still get that same review all the time. Relax. Though, we do. And it's the review now that we won't do anything about. I mean, I mean, <laughs> seriously, the one negative review we get is I wish they quit screwing around. And, and my, my feeling is you're not my audience then. I mean, you're, you're probably a money nerd who's looking for more tips per hour and we'll certainly point you in that place. And we've got a, we've got a great newsletter to Doug's point that does exactly that. But this show is not for that. This show is not tips per minute. It, it's, it is surround sound to make you realize that you can open up a Roth IRA. It's going to be okay. There's very few things in personal finance that you will screw up your life, screwing it up. You know, you'll, you, you almost can't make a mistake that will end things for you. There's a few things, but those are so few and far between. It's uh, earrings. Did you hear Paulette talking about earrings? You can, That'll do you it. Can, you can buy the earrings. Don't buy all the earrings. What is it? What is Paula? That's the problem. The 10 carat <laughs> earrings. That'll yeah. Do what's, it. what's our friend Paula pants phrase, right? You can buy the earrings, just not, you can buy any of the earrings, Paula, just not all the earrings. But they're all so pretty. <laughs> Paulette, all, all joking aside. I mean, is it hard as a writer to balance kind of the comedy with the seriousness? I mean, Ultimately, this is a knowledge-based podcast where we're talking about 
personal finance knowledge that a lot of people don't know. There's a huge educational part. Is it hard for you to get that mix of comedy versus making sure people actually understand the basic points? I would say the opposite. I think that humor is the tool to help people understand. I mean, oftentimes, you know, I have rhyme zone open and there is literally something where not only will, will humans remember something that rhymes, they will think it is true over the thing that doesn't rhymes. This is how dumb people are. And I'm including myself, just humanity. We are not like, let's look up cognitive biases. Like we're not, we're not doing hot in the intelligence department. So like, but you can use these, these little tricks and these fun turns of phrase to, you know, to help people remember it and also even believe you. Doug, I want to jump back in with a community question about you. I've gotten to know you over the years, gotten to see you socially in person when we are not recording. It's funny how there are parts of you that are so much neighbor Doug and then lots of you that isn't. How much does neighbor Doug match up to the real Doug? I don't, I can't answer that question. I think Joe could answer the question because he knows all of that, but I, I think, I think this is interesting because the old Doug, so Doug has evolved over the years as we've learned comedy. As a and character, we've learned, you're talking about my character evolving. Yeah. And we've, no, you have evolved. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> He's devolved maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, Paulette nailed it that when we really finally figured out a few years ago that pathos is, a, is, the best comedy is is this key ingredient to very good comedy. We stopped painting Doug as the dumb guy next door. And instead, the guy next door who's running like all of us are sometimes at 5,000 miles per hour at the wrong wall, right? Just going all out at this thing that it turns out is is not the right, not the right thing. So the, the, the Doug is now much more like he is in real life, smarter gets to talk intelligently about stuff people aren't rolling their eyes because he's doing you know i mean i still think it was funny when doug um took the broom closet the utility closet remember this doug well, that was years he, ago yeah doug took the utility closet because everybody was scoring big on airbnb so he's like you know what i'm gonna call this the spare bedroom and we're going to put, put the utility closet on Airbnb. And then nobody was coming at the midway part of the show. Nobody was coming. So he realized he, he needed a shtick. And, you know, everybody, there's bed and breakfast. You go to the courtyard by Marriott and they give you the waffles and whatever, the free breakfast. He didn't have any of that, but mom had some broth on the stove. So, so he took the broth and added it to his homemade hotel and it was broth hotel or a brothel, right? So, uh, which is incredibly stupid. I mean, it, was, it, was, it was so dumb. But having Sergeant Simpson from the Texarkana Police Force knock on the door at the end of the show to explain to Doug that there might be two uses of the word brothel was uh, was pretty good. But we don't do that anymore. We had cats going across the Brooklyn Bridge in the basement made out of popsicle sticks. Like that dumb stuff we don't do. Yeah. anymore but but it's made it funnier it's been interesting for me because beginning middle and end i'm playing a character the other parts where i join in at the headline segment or in the the listener question haven lifeline stuff I, it's hard for me sometimes to leave the character behind and not be silly anymore and try to comment with the professional side of me which was you know professional for 30 plus years 
and we do get these comments. We got it a lot on the book tour. We'd get comments of who knew, you know, Doug was smart. And so it's still hard to balance that for me to figure out when do I try to interject and be smart? And when do I just play the, play the role? I don't think I've gotten it yet. It's, 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 I feel like you're nailing it. I feel like it's going, it's, it is going really well. And I like how you kind of change your voice when we get into the scripted parts a little bit. So people know, Hey, it's coming time to relax a little bit and have some fun. Yeah. I think it works really well the way it is. Me changing my voice is a holdover from one of the many iterations of the Doug character we had from years ago, where I thought I was like professional announcer guy. (laughs) And I still hold on to that. And I like, and that's just bad luggage. I like, I don't know. That's almost not on purpose anymore. So Joe, sum it up for us. In the end, what do you hope Stacking Benjamins accomplishes? You know, there's this stat that shows that in America, 330 million people, roughly nearly half of us say we cry about our money. While that is more people living paycheck to paycheck, it's only a haircut more of of that group of people than it is people making $200,000 or more. And if we can make fewer people cry about their money, like we do our job, that's our job, period. Poet, are we getting better as a community? And do you think podcasts are helping? Are we understanding our finances better? I think it's totally diversifying. I think everyone, there's so many flavors out there. You know, when I went to FinCon, I looked around at all the people and I was like, yeah, there's a lot of people talking about money. But then you think about how many people there are in this country, in this world, and how severe our financial problems are and how many people are out there working to make people spend money and make money for companies. And I think it's absolutely appropriate. I think we need, yeah, more people. If As long as they have like a niche, a different direction and angle, like there's room and they're welcome for sure. And Doug, I'm asking you specifically because you're not Joe, right? You didn't start this podcast per se, and you don't always run 100% of the direction, but where do you see Stacking Benjamins going over the next 10 years? How do you see it changing? Somebody asked me this when we were in Boston and I just trembled at, <laughs> at, at answering this because I, I am absolutely the least qualified. That's why I asked. Yeah. Thanks buddy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, you know, I think it's probably where I, here's where I'd like to see it go. I don't know if this is going to be a prognostication or not, but I'd like to see a lot more listener involvement in the episodes. Like one of my favorite segments is the Haven Lifeline and the listener questions. I'd like to see a lot more of that. And I think um I I I just I think I see it going that way. But Joe would be like, dude, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's not happening. We're never doing that. But uh I just I think through you know through technology and 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 some other things I'd like to see less of a I'd like to see more you know bi-directional communication. Joe, speak on that. How how do you see Stagg Benjamins changing in the future? Uh, I think that getting rid of the word podcast has been important to us and it's just Stacking Benjamins show. And, you know, we did some episodes on an app called Fireside for a while where audiences could could partake in the show, could be a part of the show. We do some stuff on YouTube, on Instagram. I feel like we have to bring the show where people are and it's not mono anymore it's not just one channel so yeah different than different than doug i think what's going to happen is i think the show on the podcast will stay very close to the same however i'll give you an example 
we're, we're about to do something with Sean Mullaney, our mutual friend. He has a new book coming out about solo 401ks. We're going to make that a headline of the show, but we're going to record it on Fireside and the audience can come in and ask Sean questions after the interview. So instead of me interviewing in, you know, one-on-one with the guest, we're now probably going to do pieces of the show, perform part of the show, and then have the guest stick around for a Q&A afterwards. So if somebody wants a piece of Barbara Corcoran as an example, hopefully we could do that interview live where people can then participate. So I'm with Doug. I want more participation. I'm not quite sure how we we do that yet on the on the show more to make it more give and take. Another thing that we're talking that we're actually doing is uh, for our our biggest fans who are in our Facebook group, and maybe this is part of what Doug was alluding to, is give them a a choice. Hey, we're going to do an episode that is just Doug and OG and I. Do you want us to talk about X, Y, or Z? You know, and let's do a poll. So it's user created. Uh, That's not at all what I was content. saying, Joe, and that terrifies me. I don't want to do that. <laughs> it's a well, Joe, Paulette, Doug, I wanted to thank you for being on the show today. I wanted to do this episode for a few reasons. One is I wanted to celebrate some of the joy I feel behind the scenes when we are making this podcast. The act of making a podcast is not simple. And putting out you know, three episodes that are each an hour to an hour and a half per piece every week it's no joke. It's a real production. And I wanted people to be able to see that. But I also wanted to touch on this idea of there are still millions of people out there who don't understand the basics to personal finance. And a podcast is a fantastic way to get that information out there. And as we evolve, a podcast is going to become something much bigger, as Joe was talking about. It's going to be videos. It's going to be audio. It's going to be YouTube and TikTok and Instagram. It's going to continue to grow. But I wanted to celebrate this role that podcasts play in educating people about personal finance. I wanted to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you what's up next in your life and where people can find you. Paulette, let's start with you. What is coming up next in your life and what is the easiest way for people to reach out to you? Oh, it's going to be tough because next I just want to fake my own death and <laughs> uh, move to the Bahamas. No, I am expanding my writer coaching. So I have a group course called Powerhouse Writers where I help freelance writers create the foundation for their freelance writing life and get published and get paid. And people can find me at thatwriterpaulette.com and I'm on the social medias so much so that I just had to download freedom again to block me at all times except half an hour a day so I could focus. (laughs) (laughs) I am around and my focus is really on helping writers find financial stability-ish as much as possible. And Doug, tell us what is up next in your life. And if people want to interact with you, what is the best way to? This is, I don't like any of these questions you're asking me. Yeah, that, that's my role. To piss you off. Uh, I mean, I'm semi-retired. <laughs> the, I'm semi-retired and the semi is stacking Benjamins. Otherwise, I'm fishing, I'm golfing, I'm working on house projects. So this is my thing. And you know, I spent 30 plus years in tech consulting and strategic consulting and ops consulting and tied time to hang them up. And this is what, you know, constitutes semi-retirement for me now. So what's next is our next meeting or our next recording. It's what I've got to look forward to. Plus the weather's turning. So less golfing right now. So that's that's the best I can do, man. Is is it best to reach you through the stacking Benjamin's Facebook page? 
It is. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. Friend me. I am so desperate for friends. <laughs> so please neighbor Doug. And last but not least, Joel Salcihai, I'll remind people that you are not only the creator of this podcast, but the writer of the book Stacked, your super serious guide to modern money management. Tell us, Joe, what is up next with you and how can people reach out to you? Man, yeah, we're going to be making three episodes a week forever. Hopefully. How about that? That'll be fun. <laughs> My spouse's birthday's tomorrow. So that's big. We're going to go uh, celebrate in the wonderful Mecca of Hot Springs, Arkansas, which is a gorgeous little town. I'm going to spend most of my time trying to get Doc G to play another board game. That actually is. <laughs> well, you'll a, succeed at some point if forever in the same place at the same time. Yes. You did enjoy the one you played. I think I, I did. I have to admit I did enjoy it. Yes, it was, it was not good. horrible. He Truth said he letters. wasn't going to enjoy it and he didn't. And, and he did enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got that wrong. But anyway, <laughs> yes. Stacky Benjamin show three, three days a week. The greatest money show on earth because it's a circus. And what's the best way to get in touch with you? Joe at stackybenjamins.com or say hi on Twitter, Average Joe Money. This has been the Earn and Invest podcast. And by having myself, Doc G, I'd like to thank Doug Paff, Paulette Perhatch, and Joe Salcihai. That's a wrap. Awesome. I leave it running just for the few minutes so we it's catch anything in the after show. Uh, thank you guys for doing that. I, I really do think yeah. creating this podcast is a really special thing. And I don't think people really know how much work goes into it um, and how much thought goes into it. So I just wanted to get a chance to actually talk about it on air. I, I mean, I like talking about it. I, I was just telling Joe earlier today that the most excitement I have is the back end stuff. Um, I like that as much or more as being on, on the mic, but it just occurred to me, Joe, you talk like, but well, this topic came up periodically when you were on the book tour and we talk about how crazy it is to build this. Doesn't it seem like we need to have Karen and Tina and the people who are actually really, building it? Yeah. They're actually building that it. That would be a really fun episode. Honestly, I, I think that we would terrify like, Joe. We could have like eight people on zoom. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Have the full, have the full team. Yeah. I was thinking about that, the work that Karen does and that uh, Brooke does and now Tina with uh, with moving over to video um, and Gertrude. is like the ocean. It's alluring, but it's also full of deadly creatures that can shred you to pieces. It becomes kind of like a Game of Thrones political arena where everyone's trying to murder you to get your job. My family doesn't come from corporate backgrounds, so I didn't have any sort of guidance in that. This is not your typical work podcast. Sometimes you need to be empathetic, and then there are times that you ask for input, but you don't really give a shit. <laughs> Listen to the Ambi Award-nominated podcast, Surfing Corporate. <laughs> Stretch opportunity. What is this, yoga class? Get out of here. <laughs>